First off, uh, you're releasing an album with a track list of 100 songs uh, in total. And beyond that being an immense undertaking in and of itself, I understand many of them are revised demos of yours dating back from as far as when you were 12 years old. Um, and I feel like digging up demos from that long ago is something a lot of artists would shy away from. Um, so I'm wondering, like, what informed your decision to collage together so much of your musical experience like that? The only person I've ever seen do it more is um, Rivers Cuomo of Weezer. Every album he releases, he puts out like demos and he puts out like thousands and thousands and thousands of demos onto his website that you can buy in bundles. I only saw that after I had this idea because I was like, what if I just collected like, I don't know, I think it's interesting because like a lot of my sound is shaped by what I was like going through online and like what I was really into. So like when I was really into Brockhampton, there's a lot of Brockhampton sounding type of stuff or like Tyler sounding stuff or Rex Orange County in that like 2017, 2018 time period. But then you move on and you, I do more rock stuff and indie rock stuff and or like there's even some songs back from like 2016 or 17 where I try and do like a Travis Scott like sound and it just, <laughs> like, you know, doesn't doesn't work out too well but compiling such a long time of someone's like unseen artistic like growth you know yeah from rivers cuomo all the way up to travis scott i'm sure that'll be a, a very interesting compilation but also um i, I have a uh, it's so hard keeping track of like what artists he's added to his playlist have you ever been on rivers rivers cuomo's um because he has that playlist of like a bunch of people from the scene have you ever been on that before have you ever added you i've never it? been on it but i'm in his discord server there's a channel in there for literally just meant for planning out tiktoks for him so he has tiktok <laughs> ideas every Everyone helps like plan it out in different audio ideas and stuff. I made a TikTok a while ago of like just doing a cover of some Weezer song, and then he like replied to it. He was like, "Nice cover, bro." And I was like, thanks. <laughs> I have like the Rivers Cuomo cosign, but I don't, mm -hmm. I, I, it hasn't actually been on, I've never been on the Rivers Cuomo radio as far as I know. In addition to the Tuple 100 track album, uh, you're also dropping an extended version of your 2020 album, um, Spider, exclusively on CD and digital download, uh, which is a pretty bold move um, that I think a lot of people would have like maybe, that have like maybe wanted to put in emotion, put in emotion over the years, um, but haven't for whatever reason. So I'm wondering what informed your decision to stray away from streaming platforms and go straight to digital download and CD only? The vibe Vinyl resurgence is very cool. I'm glad it's happened. Like I grew up listening to vinyl, my mom and dad's just cause from their collection, they wanted to show us like, oh, this is vinyl and stuff. And then the vinyl resurgence kind of happened and that was really cool. But CDs to me have always like, like vinyl feels like a grand display. It feels like, oh, here's the vinyl. And it's like the big, like I, I don't have a record player, but I'll buy a vinyl sometimes just to have the artwork like as a big, in a big format. But CDs to me feel very like personal. Like I always listen to CDs growing up and CDs, you know, you can like write your own CDs and they're very customizable and you can, you know, make mixtapes for people and playlists have kind of become the new like CDs where people will make playlists for everyone and stuff where like back then it's like you burned a mix for somebody, but now you just, you know, follow someone Spotify and like that's what I wanted to do when I was going to make like merch and stuff for the album. It, it was going to be CD only because that's what I felt like was best for the album, I guess, at the time. That's a really good way of putting it. I guess I've never really thought about it like that, but yeah, that makes sense because when I do think of like vinyl, I think of like the golden era of like all these different like music genres and I think of like mm -hmm. big grand releases. I think of huge like production budgets and then when i think of cds i think of like homebrew stuff i think of like people working in like their garages and stuff so it makes sense mm -hmm. um and i'm wondering you haven't been so much more so much on this train recently but i understand that you are uh a, not necessarily a lifelong but for quite a while a diehard kanye fan uh so i'm wondering was there any sort of inspiration there in like the direction that he took with the stem player and donda 2 or is it all just completely this direction i do want to do stems at some point i do want to do stem releases but i think that influence was from seeing gex 
like whenever they released their album in 2019 they released the full stems with it and i was like that's the coolest thing ever and then they made a remix album which like half of those remixes are from the stems that they you know put out i think that was cool like that's why like when kanye did the stem player like it was cool to at least have a device you know to give people to mess around with stems and stuff but if anything the kanye influence comes from the yeezus CD because that's like a CD you have to have on CD like you can't get the easiest vinyl unless you want to get like a bootleg and so we're trying to make a certain design for it and certain casing and stuff like that to make it not just like a CD rip you know with the cover and the back cover <laughs> back on the topic of the 100 track album it's really interesting because when you say demos from when i was 12 years old that sounds like kind of insane on paper but then i think if you spend any amount of time in sort of like online music communities you probably bump into like a lot of 13 14 15 year olds that make a lot of really amazing music oh my god yeah yeah, you've been a pretty staunch proponent of how being really online at such a young age can have some like or well, at least while your brain is still developing can have like a lot of really harmful effects. So I'm wondering, what do you think are some of the pros and cons of creating and being involved in so many online communities at such a young age? It's the same thing for the pro and con. I think it's very easy to, you know, find yourself and also lose yourself because you can find yourself and like you can find out all these new things and new genres that you wouldn't know or new communities or new identities and, and stuff like that. And it certainly helped me from young age. I was raised in a very like liberal household and I'm grateful for that, but I still didn't really know a lot of the newer stuff that was going on. It definitely helped me like find out who I was on, on self-identity fronts. But in terms of, as someone who's like already very insecure, the internet's very like clicky and very like group focused. And so it's, it's very like in and out. Like hyper pop is like whatever, like more of a community than, you know, a genre. You'll see people on the hyperpop playlist with like a rock song, but it's just, they're on there just for the name, you know? So it's like you, hyperpop, the reason why I'm bringing it up is because it's a byproduct of that whole internet, like genre, quote unquote, because it's literally just a group of people on the internet. It's not a sound or a, you can't really define what it is besides saying, oh, it's this click of people, you know, using hyperpop as an example, like a lot of people have found their own sounds and found out their identities and found out a really supportive group of people and stuff like that through the hyperpop scene. But at the same time, people get insecure that they don't fit into the sound enough or the, the label enough or they don't have this ABC with their songs, groups in general. It's almost like high school again, you know? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it, it is high school because all these people are like 15, 16 or whatever. Yeah, exactly. I feel like maybe in like the first couple of revisions, especially like after like prior to like AG Cook taking it over, like the dark days after that happened, uh, it definitely did have like maybe more of like a sound, but even then sort of like vague. Nowadays, like, I mean, you mentioned that uh, you mentioned on Twitter a while back that like an acoustic guitar song of yours got put on the playlist, right? I guess I was referring to like Jane Remover's new song is at the top of the playlist. Mm -hmm. And it's like a full on like rock song, but it's on like hyperpop just because it's Jane Remover. And it's like now you're just putting stuff on for namesake. And it's cool that these artists are doing more like, you know, wider genres and stuff. But I wouldn't be like surprised if like some like rock song of mine was like on the playlist, like because mm -hmm. it, it I just see it happen so much. A while back, you tweeted about how for a while you approached like learning how to create art in a certain medium as like something that began by studying the greats to learn from their successes and failures. At the time, you got sort of like shifted more towards just like figuring out as you go along and winging it and doing what you like. So I'm wondering, like considering that tweet was a while ago at this point, where do you think you fall on that spectrum at this point? I definitely looked at people. Like I definitely, that's part of my issue too, is I, I get obsessed with certain bands or artists and then I make like 10 songs that sound just like that artist. Mm -hmm. And my managers are like, this sounds too much like so-and-so. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. It's kind of like a battle because sometimes I'll have really good ideas that I just think of without any influence, without any like person in mind. But like my main go-to, like, my friend was just asking me like how I write like chords. 
and I literally just copy them from songs. But I'll, I'll put it in a new context so it's not obvious, but like most of my chords just come from chord progressions that I really like. I have a song that it sounds a lot more like something from like the grunge era of the 90s, but it's literally just the chord progression of that one like Walter's like I love you so song but it doesn't sound anything like it it just has the same chords you know I'm really good at making like type beats so if like someone like not not even just in like rap or like hip-hop production but just like anything like I'm good at replicating stuff but then when it comes to making your own stuff it's like how do you make your own like sound and I definitely look to people for inspiration but I also try I'm trying really hard not to just make stuff that sounds exactly like something else you know right and do you have you found like going back and revisiting demos that when you created that at such a young age is sort of like a freeing experience because I can't imagine you had nearly as much like sort of like intake of music at the age of 12 and stuff right yeah I started out making lo-fi hip-hop beats for I feel like everybody did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. For like editors and stuff. But it's funny because I came from like, I was writing songs on the piano in like third grade with like full like lyrics and stuff. And it was very much just like, all I was listening to was the Beatles at that time, but it didn't sound like the Beatles. It just sounded like I was trying to write like songs. I made the lo-fi hip hop beats to try and get on people's pages so that they like use them in their like Bart Simpson, whatever edits, <laughs> you know, like VHS. I'm definitely proud of where I'm at now. Because back then, like, there's some songs that literally just sound like a Claro song. Like, just, <laughs> like, just, like, with the vocal effects and the drums and the, the instrumentals. Or there's songs that sound, you know, just like an X song or sound just like a this and that. And so it's refreshing to go, like, hear back and be like, oh, that was cool to hear what I was doing then. But it's not what I want to do, like, now. You know, like, or not, not just it's not what I want to do now, but it's... Because back then, I would literally even imitate, like, the voice, where I would try and literally have, like, a different type of voice. But now, like, the issue is where, like, I'd send a, I'd send a song to my managers. They'd be like, this sounds too much like Weezer. And then I'd say, this is literally me just doing... Like, I'm just singing. Like, I don't know what to do. Like, you know? <laughs> so now, now I'm actually almost reversing where I'm trying to experiment with different voices instead of just singing in, like, a normal, like, singing tone. So... Mm -hmm. I guess it's funny how I've like flip flop from like trying to do a voice to not trying to do a voice to now I'm trying to do a voice, but almost like my own type of voice, you know? What I'm learning is that all roads lead back to Weezer. Um, and <laughs> then uh, a while back, um, got a crazy transition in this next one, but a while back you also tweeted about how the market for analog horror content um, got oversaturated pretty quickly. And as a diehard Batman 2022 defender, I can imagine you're no stranger to cool things being quickly derailed by the internet. Uh, so I'm wondering, yes. are there any other trends like that um, or maybe just like general movements um, that stick out in your memory as being like maybe squandered a bit before their prime? There's a couple things where I always tell my friends that I'm always like, and I don't even try to sound like a hipster or anything, but I'm always like onto stuff. And then like, everyone else is on to it and then i'm like damn it um yeah like you get even as far back as january 2020 with the covid right like didn't you catch wind of that way before everyone that else? was okay okay yeah that was crazy so <laughs> my friend hits me up and it's like december or january and she's like ben ben i'm freaking out because i have like i have asthma like there's going to be a worldwide pandemic and i'm like what the fuck are you talking about no like because she can get like scared of stuff easily and so i was just like okay like maybe like just over but no and then like she showed me like oh this is like the, what the cdc saying there's already four cases in america like it's already going crazy in china but they're trying to shut down the airlines and this and i was like oh shit like something's gonna happen i, and I thought it was gonna be like maybe like ebola where like it was big but it wasn't like big big and my friend kept being like nope this is gonna be like millions of people are gonna die from this i swear and i was like 
okay. And so we made like a Google doc, literally tracking like every day of progress. And it was only for like a week. And then I just forgot about it. And then we got sent out of school. So I was like, oh, that did happen. Like, you know, but yeah, with getting on things early, I don't know. I've, I used to kind of have a very gate keepy mindset but now i only get mad at things if i don't mind if they get big but i just get mad if people take out of its like original like context you know how like alpha males will like use american psycho when like american (laughs) psycho is like american psycho is like a parody of yes yes yeah or like fight club like fight club is like a parody of but people will be like yeah man i'm just like brad pitt from fight club i'm like no like that's that's not something that you should be saying (laughs) no exactly I, i i was i'll get like fitness videos on my instagram of like just guys like flexing or whatever. And this one guy was just like flexing the mirror. And it was like that audio of Patrick Bateman being like, I have no soul in my eyes. I am just flesh. And I'm like, this isn't like cool. Like I've become less of like a gatekeeper recently and just kind of a let people enjoy things type of person. Even if it does kind of like pain me a little bit, but those two examples are particularly like vibrant examples of like not just somebody taking something out of its original context, literally flipping that context on its head and be doing the exact opposite. Um, yeah, literally. But what, what was your thing with the Batman? Like, what do you think? Oh my god, I just I I really loved the movie. Like, I loved the movie, and then I I've walked outside. Like the, I walked outside. I've seen it twice. I walked outside the theater, checked my phone, and I was like, "Oh, I wonder what people on Twitter are saying about this." It's just nothing but simping for the Riddler. Nothing but just like tons of fan cams of this person that murders people multiple times in the movie in horrible ways, and I was like, "What the hell is wrong with you people?" And like, there was like this one meme that was like, "Who like stepped on?" my sandwich and it's like a sandwich with a little paw print it's in the it. Paw and it's, and it's the rip. <laughs> yeah and it's like it was me or whatever it's like no stop it stop it that's just a funny example i found that funny i, I didn't get like upset at that but yeah the batman has been very quickly co-opted by some very odd circles of the internet it always happens and there's things where i know it's gonna happen where it, it becomes like a twitter you know ship or a twitter dynamic or there's gonna be fan art but i didn't imagine the levels to which people would go with like the fan art like, not just, like, oh, it's, like, sexual, but, like, oh, it's, like, you're drawing these people as, like, teenage kids from uh, the yeah. Shop a Hot Topic. Just, like, this whole style. I'm, like, this guy's, like, a 28-year-old man. Like, this is, like, a completely different... I don't know, but I remember doing that when I was, like, kind of my age. I was very into, like, shipping and, like, fan fiction. Because I was into, like, 21 Pilots. I was into, like, Panic! The Disco and, like, MCR and, like, stuff like that. And so... That oh, just... so you've, you've, had a, you've had a rough ride with uh, Twitter recently, then, in that case, if those were your picks. With what? With, with uh, like with a uh, panic at the disco and the way they've uh, sort of <laughs> no, okay. in recent years. I've never thrown a punch in my life. <laughs> but if I, I, I was just talking about if I had to throw three punches, one of them will be Brendan Urie because he ruined Panic at the. I don't know. Have you listened to Panic at the Disco? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah. Ryan Ross was the guy who made those first two albums. What happened was Ryan said, "I'm done with Panic." Like I'm because it's my band. I'm done with it. Like he wakes up one morning and sees that Panic is like touring, and he's like, "What?" And it's Brendan Urie now just taking... And so Brendan Urie has just, like, made the band into his own thing when he should just be just doing, like, solo music. That Okay, that's the thing that I'm glad. I was ahead of the Brendan Urie hate train. I used to hate Brendan Urie so much, and I still do, but now everybody's hating Brendan Urie, and I'm like, thank fucking God. Like, <laughs> So COVID and Brendan Urie, two trends that Lucas Lex was here first. Something um, a lot of people may know you for is not just only your experience as a musician, but also as a content creator. Uh, maybe not so much recently because your TikTok's been six feet under for a while now, but... um. 
in the past few years, I mean, that brings up the fact that in the past few years, there has undeniably been um, an increasing push for artists to become content creators alongside their own music. Um, so I'm wondering, like, as someone who has been both, what do you think are some of the pros and cons of the line between, like, content creator and musician being increasingly blurred? Here's the thing. I was on TikTok a year after it was, like, done. So TikTok was, like, big, but TikTok wasn't, like, 1 billion downloads big like it is now. And so now if you try and promote your music on TikTok, like, nobody cares. Like, I was just looking it up because I don't really try and follow, like, the here's the marketing analytics for if you're an artist, like 10 ways to like boost your, I don't really like watch that stuff, but they were saying that reels is better now because Instagram reels is more like new. And so you always have to find like the new thing, the new thing. And so at the time I was posting TikToks, you know, a year after. So I would get 70,000 likes on a post that was just saying like, it took nine songwriters for Sean Mendez to write Senorita, <laughs> but it only took wrong one songwriter and producer for me to make my song. And people would Pretty be like, now, oh, like, yeah, I would just like stand in front of my camera and be like, I'm dropping this song next week. And like, it would get engagement because people were like, oh, it's so cool. You're like a musician and a, you know, a content creator. But now like no one cares because it's so like overdone. Like we've seen like YouTube, you know, videos all about like the push for artists to do stuff on TikTok because it's just gotten oversaturated by labels. And so I guess like the pros of being a content creator is that you already have an audience and you're going to give them something that they didn't expect, but they might like, which is like what it was in my case. But then the con is part of the reason why I deleted my TikTok was because I was always getting referred to as like a musician, like second. It would be like, oh, so you're like a TikToker, right? Oh yeah. And you also make music and stuff. That's cool. And I'm like, I was doing music like Four years before I did TikTok, like this is like not, you know, I just wanted to be more focused on the music that I was doing. And so I deleted my TikTok and that's kind of what happened for a bit after that was that all the people that were like following me only followed me for the music. And I was like, yeah, okay, cool. That's a really interesting way of going about it because yeah, it seems like there are a lot of people regardless of for how long they've been making music for, like there are, I feel like a really, really prime example is um, Tom Rosenthal. Tom Rosenthal made mm. a cover of a song and then put it out underneath uh, an alias. I forget the name of the song exactly, but it blew up on TikTok at like 300 million streams. And then people described him as like a TikTok musician when he's been making music for like how long? Like he's a, a, an immensely established songwriter. So it feels like mm -hmm. it doesn't even matter how long you've been doing it for as long as the majority of people find you from one thing it can be really suffocating to be known for that one thing so i totally get people yeah because once you're a tiktoker like that's it was, it's almost like how youtuber used to be where it's like oh yeah you're a youtuber and not but now it's like oh you're a twitch streamer or you're a tiktoker like it's because that's what like i'll tell people like my dad will like be with me and like his friends and they'll be like oh so what do you do oh you're i'm a musician oh so what type of music do you make uh like like rock like pop oh so like do you sing well like you have to like really musician is hard but if you're a tiktoker you make tiktok videos that's it like that's that's the only thing you have to be you know so i think it's just easier for people to just say you're a tiktoker like i was grinding on tiktok but that's just only because i was getting engagement but i would i never had like a passion for like content creation similar to how like if you like come from like youtube and you're like for example like maybe like a rapper you get the association of like you get, like the josh a people coming after you and stuff like that and similar like with tiktok it's like okay you don't want to have the association of like little huddy and shit so yeah i get that and then uh like you mentioned when it comes to your tiktok uh i understand you just kind of deleted it on like a whim um and i don't think anybody's gonna fault you on deleting tiktok but i'm wondering um, i'm wondering like are there any other like more in-depth reasons for maybe why you've deleted some of like your previous catalog or like any of your previous songs or anything like that i'm always like dissatisfied with how i am in the present moment so i'm always like, well, let me just like start this over and then like you know like re restart it and so i've done that like on soundcloud when i was only on soundcloud i deleted a bunch of my old stuff and started new stuff or like i delete my old name and make a new name like i 
I had like three different names before Lucas Lex, and then I changed it again, and then I went back to Lucas Lex. That's stuff that I'm glad is in the anthology, like 100 song thing. But I'm not. I d- I wouldn't even put back on, you know, today because I just don't like it. I mean, I've done that before too because I made a remix of a uh, CM10 song, Never Met. It did like pretty well. It became like my number one song on Spotify, and then people were like thinking that I made like the song and like kids at school were like oh I didn't know you made that TikTok song and I like I didn't like <laughs> and so I was like oh I'm not doing this shit again so like I just deleted that song even though it was like my highest like streaming like song at the time like what I'm doing now feels good because it feels like it's coming from like I actually just feel like I'm done making solo music like I don't know like I I'd rather do a band of, of some sort than like a solo project collaboration is hard online that's why Egbert and I we literally we've been trying to make this album for the past like like the DSI Boys album for the past like year and it's never gotten done because it's so hard to just like oh yeah I'll send you this file back oh yeah I'll send you this file here oh well then like can you get this done oh yeah sure let me send you. like it's just like it doesn't feel like a natural process and so if I were to do something in the future it it wouldn't be a solo thing it'd be more of like a group venture like in person I feel like you are now in like a position that I feel like a lot of artists like maybe dream of I feel like it's a story we've seen like countless times before where like maybe like not necessarily like a breakout single but like a huge song from an artist it'll be cool for the artist for like a few months but then they'll soon be like oh wow i really don't like that song and now everybody knows me for it i feel like we've seen that a thousand times before um and i feel like a lot of those people that have been put in a situation like that have sort of daydreamed of like deleting that song off the internet and then being rid of it um so i'm wondering like as someone who has lived through that dream countless times um what do you think are like or have you like experienced any sort of like unintended consequences of that that you like didn't anticipate no like I, I stand by everything I've done. Like I, everything I have up is stuff that I want to have up, and everything that I don't have up is stuff that I don't want to have up. I mean, people will just like DM you and say like, "Oh, hey, like, why did you delete this?" Like, and then I'll just send them the file, and I'm like, "Here you go. If you want to listen to it, I, if someone really wants to hear it, I'm like, okay, yeah, like I, you know, or people have uploaded to YouTube. Literally, the only thing with like the Never Met remix was just like it was like a big chunk of the money i was earning for the month i got back up to the monthly listeners i was having before so that's the thing every time i've deleted my stuff obviously i'm not like super super big or super super famous but i've always gotten bigger after i delete my stuff like so when i first lead my i first lead all my music when a song of mine got to 100,000 streams on there and then i came back with two singles and then those ones got to like a million something or whatever through tiktok and i deleted my tiktok i'm doing like three times the numbers i was doing while I was doing TikTok. So it's just like, people don't have to keep up their big stuff to be big, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, you can still find success without, obviously if you're like using it, you know, to get access to things or pay for things or whatever, then, you know, milk it all the way, of course. You know, But it, it definitely feels like a weight off your shoulders when you like finally just like remove it. Cause like you should be in control of your image. Like I don't think fans should ever control what an artist does or like, cause I've had people be like, oh, like screw you. Like why are you, like people love that song so much and you just want to take it off. I'm like, yeah, because I like made it. Oh, you think I'm going to go, oh, man, like <laughs> they're right. You know, I should keep this on. Like, no, like I'm, I'm going to take it off because I don't like it. Like, that's it. I feel like that's going to be like really comforting for a lot of people to hear because I feel like the number one thing that prevents people from like maybe deleting a song of theirs that, that is like gaining some traction, but they don't aren't really the biggest fan of is like fear of either backlash from people that really enjoy the song or also fear of like not succeeding as a result. So I think it'll be comforting to hear that like, yeah, you've succeeded not in spite of this, but like partially because of it, if that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. And then you also mentioned the fact that um, fans shouldn't be able to control like an artist's image or like what they put out and stuff. And I can imagine considering you've remained independent all the way all through your entire career, I'm wondering is 
not wanting a record label to have that sort of similar effect on you also a reason why you haven't signed or considered anything like that in the past or no? I really wouldn't want any control over the masters. Like, I, I mean, any anything. I don't want them to own anything. Like, that's a, apparently the reason why Brockhampton signed is because RCA gave them full control of their masters. Because I used to be like a very big Brockhampton fan. And I was like, they've always talked about, you know, being independent and like not signing. So why they signed to one of the biggest record labels of all time. And that's why. So like if I did sign, that's my only like concern. I'm not hesitant about signing. Like I think independent music, you know, is something to be treasured, which is what everyone says. But I, I just want, you know, backing to do further ventures and stuff while also being in control. So if a label gave me that option and said, you own 100% of the masters, you know, then I'd be open to that. But I think for now, a lot of the people that we've like talked to like aren't really willing to do that so it's really frustrating because like every discussion i have with people about record labels it's like oh yeah like i would sign to a record label if like a record label didn't act like a record label <laughs> like <laughs> it's, it's kind of frustrating because it's like it seems almost inseparable from the way they function to be kind of inherently shitty which is really frustrating because like like in concept they are like a good thing i mean i remember back in 2020 there was a label that was going around and they they did end up picking up a few artists from the like kind of twitter like scene and they hit like me up they hit quinn up they hit uh like lou up they hit like they hit everyone up they were like a major and people signed so fast who's who did sign and they're like very young so i doubt that they really had any time to like look over anything or negotiate anything i had a friend who was signed to that label i went to his show and he was on like a tour with some other people all three of them were signed to the same label but he picked the smaller deal so they gave two other performers and like artists better like sound uh, engineers like when he was rehearsing he had like a broken mic no one would help him from uh their team even though they were on the same like trip and the same tour and the same label and the same and they're standing in the same room like yeah yep. and they're just like we're not no sorry we, we don't work for you it's uh yeah it's like if i signed a label i'd be very 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 conscious of it and not just sign something for a good advance like i there was a thing where like i won't say who but he got offered like a seven hundred thousand dollar deal for a really big song of his and then he said okay i'm gonna take a day to think about it and he calls back the next day they say oh we've lowered it to four hundred thousand. by the way like within a so it's just you know I, I would never sign anything too quickly not a great sign when they shave nearly half the advance off because you took time to consider your options that's ridiculous. literally on the topic of like labels uh at large i understand you got all too familiar with a pretty odd uh genre label uh around the time of last year's spotify wrapped i'm sure you know where this is going um so could you walk us through your experience with how you ended up being labeled a dream smp artist Dream is the second person I'd punch if I saw him in person. Oh, yeah. That's I meant who's to ask. On that I, meant to, I meant to ask. So who's the third? Who's the third? MGK. MGK. Okay. Yeah, no, that's a pretty good trio. God, that's a horrifying blunt rotation. But so what happened? Because I still don't really understand. I just know that you were labeled a Dream SMP artist. I don't know how. That's like what happened. Um, Literally? Like, I mean, okay. So there's like lore behind it. I woke up one day and it was everyone's Spotify wrapped and... You know, I expect, you know, there's like people who tag me in their stories and whatever. And then people were saying, oh, I'm kind of pissed that my top genre is Dream SMP, but I guess I listened to a lot of Lucas Lex this year. And I'm like, what? Like, you know, and so, and then, so I go on to, no, actually I lied. I knew about this before. So do you know that website, everynoise.com or .org? Like the big, big chart thing. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so I, I always go on there like every, like a couple times a year just to see. It, my thing used to be like garage rock or like escape room which whatever that's on like everybody's thing but i don't know yeah i don't know why it's always been on my wrapped i don't know why but then i my friend went back and the only thing there was dream smp and i was like 
what? And so I click on the the genre and I go to the thing and, and it's like half of it's like people who are actually involved in that like Minecraft community who also make music. But then half of it was like Toby Fox for like Undertale or it was like Cave Town. And so I look on my like Spotify for artists and my top playlist is a playlist for Technoblade or something. Like this is like way back when. And so my song was the first song on it and the playlist had like 15,000 likes. But my assumption of what happened was, I think Dream SMP fans listen to the artists that are in that genre, but they also, like the artists that are like literally the people who play the, you know, Minecraft. But then there's also like a shared like listening habit. But I think I was only on there. I don't think a lot of Dream SMP people listen to me. I think it was just because I was the top of that one playlist. And then that changed my whole like genre from like garage rock or whatever to <laughs> to dream smp if you ever needed a more damning indictment against spotify's like asinine way of like labeling genres and stuff like that i feel like that's a very like clear way of of, uh, of demonstrating that yeah because I, I mean i kind of get what they were going for like maybe they could have made like an official playlist for like dream smp and like honestly as much as i hate like dream and stuff i wouldn't mind if i had at least like three other genre names and then like if i if Dream SMP was a fourth genre name, I'd be like, oh, this is just like really funny, you know, but then like Dream SMP being my only genre, that's the only thing that Spotify labels me as. I would also agree with like people like, you know, like Wilbur Soot, Dream, all those people like being tossed together yeah. like this dream because that that makes sense. But it's like pulling in people who like I, the way I figured it was like maybe one of them used like a song of yours in like an outro of their YouTube video or something, but it is literally just a Spotify playlist. I googled it, yeah, because like they have those accounts that track someone's Spotify. Yeah, those are horrifying. Which are, that's yes. already like weird, but yeah, but like I've only had that happen like once, but it was for some like kind. It wasn't even related to Minecraft. And although it's like fun to point and laugh at Spotify for like completely mucking that up in that regard, um, we have seen a lot of discussion um, about the tendency for places like maybe like Rate Your Music or like Last FM to kind of like constantly iterate on established genres with like all like the core step and like pop suffixes you can possibly imagine so i'm wondering what do you see as some of the pros and cons of like the increased like diversification of genre labels it's kind of pointless i mean i, I mean there's a point to genre like there's a point to i think the basics like there's a reason why we differentiate jazz from classical from pop from whatever but i think once you get into the rock territory you can have you know, heavy metal, you can have prog rock, you can have garage rock, you can have all these different things and it's fine. Because, okay, here's the thing. I think people care, especially with online stuff, they care more about identity than actually like labeling stuff. And so I think a lot of these new labels have to do with identity rather than actually being able to like label something as something. And so with like Dream SMP, I think Spotify, I saw that and they were like, oh, well, that's like, this is like a Dream SMP genre. Like everything's a genre now. Like mm -hmm. people will be on board with this. But even Dream fans were like, what i think everyone wants to feel like their own individual self while also feeling like they're fitting in so they try and make these like super niche genre names for stuff that they can say oh i'm really into this even if it doesn't like have an actual like function as a descriptor it always gets really frustrating because in my opinion there is a point in like giving somebody who's uninitiated like a sort of like just path to follow of like if anything else like here's this lighthouse that you could follow like okay just go off of that and then then they can dive further into things understand more stuff but the thing is i feel like people lose sight of the fact that like yes it is like a way to identify yourself as separate from like a different genre or a different movement or whatever else but people need to understand that like when you get down into like the minutiae of like all the different like electronic music is especially bad in this regard and the way that there's so many different like electro step and like all these different step and core and all this different shit yep. not to mention all the fucking 
tragedy we had with Daria Gore. Like just Oh my god, yeah. When it gets down to like a point like that, you're no longer helping people with like, here's one word to go off of, like just use that and then go deeper. It's like, oh shit, now I have 50 that I have to memorize and it's not helping. It's just making things more complicated. It's like completely perpendicular to like the original goal of giving something a genre label. Like, okay, here's the thing. I kind of liked the Digicore name back in 2020. Like early 2020, whenever Digicore, because that's that's the name that people were kind of reluctantly huddling around. Like as a community, people were like, okay, I guess Digicore, whatever. Because it made sense because it was like primarily on SoundCloud, primarily with these types of drums, this type of auto-tune, these types of instruments. I feel like that started to function. And I'll still even like tell friends, I'll say, oh, this is more of like a, a Digicore type sound even though it does kind of sound like cringe to say out loud it still like serves a function as basic as it sounds because genres are meant as a descriptive thing like i think genres should remain a descriptive thing i mean but like at the same time if, if one of my friends says like i'm really into hyperpop recently i can get a gist of what they're talking about but it still doesn't help me define oh well so are you listening to like glaive are you listening to you know 100 gex are you listening to sophie are you listening to charlie xc like these are all very different artists you know um, that stem underneath a single umbrella so it can get really confusing yeah and then like and then of course there's like the aspect of like the history of something where it's like the more you stuff a bunch of stuff under us under a single umbrella like i didn't even know prior to like 2019 ish like the word hyperpop was something used to describe a completely different genre of music or like i don't even it's just really difficult to like go back and like find these things now because now it's buried underneath 30 other google pages of other stuff that have used the term hyperpop so i think it's yep. i think the primary goal of using a genre label is as a descriptive term i think it's also important to preserve like the history of it through different stages of its development i remember back in um late 2019 youngster jack and david shoddy were getting very big at the time and sebi a little bit too there was a there was some like rap page on twitter that had photos of all three of them and was like it described them as estrofem trap that was the genre <laughs> name they're like this is this new uh it was like high-pitched you know voices and like <laughs> i agree with that on sebi honestly i like that that's like, a good key yeah like i get it me and my friends will still be like oh yeah i'm making this estrofem trap type beat and then uh a while back uh, i talked to a mutual friend of ours uh finlance and he mentioned uh that you and him debated the mix of your most recent song time passer for like six hours straight uh before eventually agreeing on a final version which raises the question like how do you decide when a song is finished and ready for the world to hear if i can listen to it through and not have a problem with it which i've mistakenly done sometimes where i'm like i just finished the song it finished the song and i just like put it out the issue with that song was that there were like little parts where i was like i want this like want this tweak or like finn was like i want this tweaked it just took so long to finally like, have a final version where every single part of the song felt like right and was mixed right and like felt you know good for both of us a while back uh you tweeted that sanrio boy by little eli is a song that you often return to whenever you need whenever you find yourself in a creative rut so i'm wondering are there any other songs or maybe even like full projects like that you that you turn to for lucas luck stuff i always return to black parade sometimes the reason why i was in my weezer bag for a while though was because a lot of rivers cuomo's songwriting is very uh classical music inspired which is mm -hmm. Kind of me too with the chord progressions, same with the strokes, same with a lot of other bands that take a lot of inspiration from like people like Bach or people like Vivaldi or whatever. That's part of why I always end up, end up sounding like stuff like that is just because of the, the chord progressions and the melodies are literally like, it all has the exact same like influence and stuff. Next, it's pretty difficult to keep up with all the releases in a landscape as densely populated as this one. Um, so wondering if you could pick a handful of uh, artists to put our listeners onto right now, who would you pick? Definitely Finland's again. That song he just dropped with uh, Dolly was like, Really, mm. really, really, really sick. I'm doing a remix right now for that kid. Um, mm. And that 
he sent me some stuff from that album and that album was like really really cool to my friends andrew is to hell and uh wasted jew they have a duo called uh girls that and they're doing like 2010s like pop revival and it's it's sounding really really cool probably not putting her on to anybody but i've been very into rosalia recently i was kind of getting sick of like the reggaeton uh like drum like patterns like especially with people like ed sheeran and stuff like constantly doing like the you know like the <laughs> and but then like i listened to her last album of mommy and i was like okay this is cool again and then uh, on a similar note you've collaborated with quite a few people over the years but i can imagine there's still plenty more that you want to work with so if you can name a handful of people like dream people to work with who would you pick i talked to my manager recently i was like how how reachable is julian casablanca from this drugs <laughs> i was like hypothetically you know okay here's the thing i want to work with paul mccartney but he's not doing any of the singing like it would mm. just be a songwriting thing. Like I, that's why I liked his collaboration with uh, Kanye because it was literally just like songwriting and, and instrumental. I don't want to collab with people unless like I have a reason to. Like I don't like people who just do collabs to like do collabs for names and stuff. I'm just focused on like working with my friends right now. Finally, uh, you've already come a really really long way this year, and I'm super excited for what's to come for you. And with the so with a new uh, album on the horizon, what are you looking to accomplish from here on out? What can we expect uh, from Lucas Lex or just Ben going forward? A lot, I think. Uh, well, because I think the Lucas Likes name, I had a vision, I hate that word now, but like I kind of had an idea, like Lucas Likes feels like a very restrained thing. And so there's a lot of stuff that I wanted to do, but I knew I'd have to put it under the Lucas Likes name that I have ideas for like art gallery stuff. I have ideas for like short films and like documentaries and I've been working on like fashion collections and still expect music, uh, but definitely like from me alone, just expect a lot different things that I haven't done in the past that I now feel like I can kind of do with ease. Fuck yeah. Okay. All right. I think that's going to wrap it up for us today. Thank you so awesome. much for meeting with me. Yeah. Today. No, thank you. Yeah. This is cool.